Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Hero World Challenge. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Hello, Greg. Hey, Rick. How's it going? Um, Very, very exciting and sad all at the same time tonight. This is our last DFS episode of 2023. I can't believe it's come this far already. The good news is... We're getting the return of two highly anticipated golfers, Will Zaltoris, Tiger Woods. We're getting a 20-man field, so there's a chance that we just talk about every single golfer out here. And they're all guaranteed four rounds at a resort-style golf course. Greg, this is a nice little fun one to go out on. Yeah, we've had some history here. We got we got some data. It's a mm-hmm. little bit of a unique golf course to cover, which is pretty cool. I think there are some cool elements to Albany. Um, we got a little early weather report. Doesn't look to be anything too dramatic. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. And this is one of those tournaments where it's definitely a get together kind of feel. It it doesn't have the, it it doesn't carry tremendous importance, but what I always like about watching the hero is when it comes to Sunday, we do get drama. Uh, we have seen players give this tournament away because there are some challenging elements to it. Colin Morikawa was on the verge of becoming the number one player in the world. Uh, coughed it up on the back nine, shot a 76 on Sunday two years ago. Never got to the summit of the world rankings. And really, between then and now, what? He didn't win at all. The, the, the recent win at the Zozo was the only time he won between then. And really, from that tournament on, he got himself into contention plenty. And all of a sudden, a robot on Sundays showed that he was human. Mm. And it happened not just at the Hero World Challenge, but it happened last year at the Century Tournament of Champions. Uh, And uh, on a number of occasions, which are escaping me right now, uh, where you kind of expected Colin Morikawa to go out and get the job done, and he wasn't able to do that. that. This event was really the first time we ever saw that. So um, it does. I also remember Sam Burns making a mess of a hole late on the back nine Mm -hmm. and costing himself a chance at winning this event. It it leads to some exciting finishes 
even though I do feel that the field kind of gets divided after some of the early rounds, the players who are in contention take this tournament very seriously, which gives us that great drama. But some of the players who maybe lead toward the bottom of the pack, they kind of look like they're on vacation sometimes. Sometimes, Greg, they forget where the tee boxes are and they play the wrong tee boxes like Jordan Spieth and Henrik Stenson did uh, a couple of years ago. And I, what, they had to go back and re-tee and take penalties and... Uh, a disaster. They finished 19th and 20th that year. As they should. Uh, well, let's talk about the golf course. And Josh, if you could share my screen, I've got the scorecard up here. So it's Albany Golf Club. We are in the Bahamas. It is a par 72, 7,400 yards. This is an Ernie Ells design, which we don't get to say very often. But what what elements around this place? We, we talked about, you know, you can get kind of get into some trouble. Uh, green side in some spots with some, some grainy chip shots that if you aren't sharp on, you can do what Colin Morikawa did. But what what types of things should we keep an eye out for this week, uh, golf course-wise? Well, one of them, a very unique aspect of this golf course is we have, it's a, even though it's a par 72, there are five par fives mm-hmm. and five par threes. Uh, the par fours are on the longer side, I would say, with uh, one exception being um, there's a there's a drivable par four Typically, which would be number seven. Seven is three. That can be set up. Yeah, three six. That can be set up to be drivable. But other than that, oh, but you know what, Rick? It's fourteen that the, that they can. Set oh, there you go. Three oh seven. Yes. Yeah. Other than that, and number seven, the par fours are on the longer side. Um, you have those swales and runoffs and some smaller greens, which can which are difficult to hit more difficult to hit than PGA tour average. And so it really does bring some those swales and runoffs into play and your short game gets tested. Even though it's a wide golf course off the tee, there's plenty of room. It's generous off the tee. There's not much rough to deal with. Um, once you get it in play, the real challenge is on your second and third shots uh, into the greens. And should you miss them around the greens with some of those severe runoffs, uh, as I feel like I've said, five times already but it's important it's important and the how much are you considering course history because this is kind of a weird one right so this event has been around forever but they've only played at albany for the last four or five editions and it's not always the same golfers it is a small field you look at the history Victor Hovland has only played here twice. He's won twice. Scotty Scheffler, back-to-back runner-up finishes. But then there's a handful of guys like Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Justin Rose with a lot more experience. So where do we start to reconcile course history around this for handicapping purposes? If it's – well, there's a couple ways that I look at it. I I don't put a ton of stock into it unless they have played very well or very poorly here. Um, so, you know, for instance, a first timer here, I'm not worried about, I don't look at that and dock them for it. Victor Hovland's history here, Scotty Scheffler's history here. It's very difficult to, um, ignore. Now they're also two of the best players in the world. They may be the two best players in the world. So it doesn't really matter what the golf course is with those guys. You're going to play them anyway. So I don't really think that course history here has a major factor. I I don't think it's a major factor. It's just a nice thing to talk about with some of the best players in the world is a reason why they may do well because they always do well here, but they do well pretty much everywhere they go. 
So I, ultimately, I would say it's a very, very small factor on my scale. Um, the, the style of the golf course may come into play. Someone who's really struggling with short game, maybe someone I'm avoiding, uh, someone who's improved their short game, like Victor Hovland, maybe um, something that I look to as a, as a benefit. In, in years past, it hasn't worked out too well. I may have shied away from Victor Hovland here because there are so many tight lies when you miss the greens. And because they're, they're steep, the swales are steep, they're very challenging to putt up. You know, at say St. Andrews, where there's areas around the greens that are fairway, you can putt from everywhere. You have some ridges and humps and hollows to deal with, but it's not as steep and grainy. So the short game is on display here. It is forced. Uh, but I look at that a lot more than, say, course history. Yeah, Victor basically just pulled putter everywhere around uh, St. Andrews when when necessary, when he did miss those those big greens. Okay, well, you mentioned Victor Hovland and Scotty Scheffler, maybe the top two players in the world where they are the two most expensive players on DraftKings this week. We are going to go probably player by player uh, through this field. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet on my website, rickrungood.com. Uh, Victor Hovland, 10,800. Scotty Scheffler, 10,7. Max Homa, 
10,100, Colin Morikawa, $10,000. Even Greg, those are the four most expensive golfers. They're the ones that are going to put the biggest dent in your salary cap. We already talked about Victor going back to back with wins and Scotty going back to back with runner up finishes, but Homa. Uh, coming off of a, a victory on the European tour, Morikawa coming off a victory at the Zozo Championship. There's there's a lot to like here at the top of the board. Yeah, it's a very attractive range, and, and I don't, I, I wouldn't fault you for playing anybody. Um, I, Victor Hovland, who is the most expensive, I, I think it, it's a good place to start. His improvement in the short game area makes him one of, if not the most improved player on the PGA Tour this year. Uh, and unfortunately for him, the thing holding him back from that note of most improved is just he was so good to begin with. He didn't have a lot of room to in, improve, but he may be the best player in the world right now. Uh, and and the addition of the confidence around the greens for him is significant. And he's won the last two events here. So that is significant. He knows how to get around this golf course, even though course history isn't something that we look at. So yeah, Hovland is absolutely an option. Uh, and and because his play has been so good, he may be the least interesting guy to talk about in this, um, at least in this 10K range. Yeah, he is uh, now, in, in terms of the last 36 rounds, uh, the best player in this field. He's gaining over two strokes per round, which is just a hair better than what Scotty Scheffler has been up to. But those two are really putting a gap between themselves and the rest of the field. So let's let's talk Scotty. It's seemingly a lock that he'll be in the mix. Will he win? I don't know. He hasn't won since the Players' Championship. The putting stats continue to be troublesome. The last time we saw him was at the Ryder Cup. Can you... I look at it two ways. Can you afford to pay this much for a guy who might not win? Or can you afford to not pay for a guy who's almost a lock to be inside the top three? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you afford to pay this much for a guy that might not win? <laughs> Everybody that you play might not win. You know, So it, it's that makes... Some, really challenging and look there's I, i'm sure the ownership on scotty scheffler is going to be pretty well balanced in this 10k range so I, you're probably not gaining an edge there but th there's one thing about scotty scheffler when you look at that putting column that is so profoundly red mm. and and it's so clearly the weakness for him he just before the Ryder Cup started working with Phil Kenyon, a, a new coach, and started employing some new putting strategies that I think are a, kind of exactly what he needed to do. I did see some improvement on the greens at the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup's different because you're you're looking at the performance that he win or lose the match, mm -hmm. and looking at just the record is very difficult to pull their form out of that. It's, it's such an emotional event as well. Uh, and when you're adding something new, such as a new putting stroke, uh, a new method, a new coach, a new ideology on the greens, it's hard to say definitively that it works or it didn't, but I would lean towards it works. And we don't need to see a really big improvement from Scotty Scheffler on the greens yeah. to see him holding trophies more. So I, I'm, very willing to take a chance on that considering if it goes well, it leads to a win. If it doesn't go well, it probably leads to a second or a tied second. Yeah. You know, four, four and a half strokes. He lost putting at the Charles Schwab finished third, eight and a half. He lost the Memorial finished third. So even if it goes horribly, horribly wrong, he still might be in the mix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
he could win. So it, it it's really hard for me in that to stay away from Scotty. The reason you would stay away from Scotty is that you want to go with Victor. Um, or perhaps that you want to go with Homa or Morikawa, who are both, I think, pretty good options as well. Yeah, I think that I think there'll be a lot of paying up for Victor. I'll be interested to see what the rest of this 10K range looks like because Homa's win was across the pond, uh, a win at the Ned Bank Golf Challenge a, a couple of, of weeks ago, which I don't know how many people noticed. And then the Ryder Cup, which he was, I think he was great at the Ryder Cup in, in the U.S. loss. But he's got those five straight top tens before that. Um, his history around here is just one year. It was last year he finished 17th. Do not do not care at all. I think Max Homa is super, super live to win this thing. I think so, too. Um, and, you know, he's won some Tiger Woods events before. At least one. Mm -hmm. Only one. But contended there. And it means a lot to him. So if you're questioning motivation for players in this field, which is fair to do, it's not fair to question the motivation of Max Homa. It would mean a lot to him. Uh, and and he would he will really I, I think it's fair to say that at least on Thursday and Friday and probably all four days, you're going to get a, a top notch effort out of Max Homa. Normally, we've never even discussed that, but it, that could be an edge for him in a, in a tournament like this. But this is what really strikes me when I look at this Max Homa page. The consistency in the positions has been extremely high quality. Obviously he hasn't finished outside the top 12 since the Scottish open. Uh, but when you start to look at the advanced metrics, there's been a little bit more inconsistency, right? At the tour championship, he lost strokes off the tee, lost strokes approaching the green and still finished tied ninth, gaining strokes on the week total, even though that's, that is a short field. Uh, you look at the FedEx St. Jude championship. He lost strokes approaching the green finished tied sixth. He has shown, he started to show this ability where, I mean, the Scottish Open, another example, lost strokes, ball striking, finished tied 12th. He started to show an ability to finish well in on the heels of or because of any area of his game. And in a week like this where short game is really important that he, like Hovland, has really improved the short game. Uh, the putting has gotten really consistent and really good. And and I think it elevates him into a class where in, in a field with the top 20 players or most of the top 20 players in the world, um, he belongs in the 10K range, which is nice to see. Um, it, it, but it may be surprising. But this improvement is real for Max Holm. I, I I'm a big fan. A little bit of breaking news. The tea times did just drop and Max Homa will be in the final group with Victor Hovland at 1225 on Thursday. Now, Greg, I think they reshuffle every round. Is that right? You remember that? Uh, it would make sense to do that. I can't. I can confirm nor deny. I think you kind of get the friendly pairings on Thursday and then they go by the leaderboard Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I believe. It would make sense. Um, unfortunately, I don't know the answer for I don't, sure. 
I don't remember. But Max Homa, Victor Hovland will be the final, aka marquee match uh, uh, game of day one, 12:25 local time. Colin Morikawa, who's our last golfer in the 10K range, is going to be playing with Jason Day at 12:03 after a 2023 that Colin would probably tell you was horrible and a waste of time and energy. It did end with a victory at the Zozo Championship the last time we saw him. He's first of all, really good. So he belongs in, in this kind of price category. I will give him that, but he is really hard to figure out, especially after a year like this. And, and you have said many times that he's not the best narrative <laughs> you know, for himself. No. Um, and, and when I heard him talk after the win at the Zozo about the putting, we don't have metrics from that event. So you're kind of going on watching and it was in Japan and you're going on what he says. And I listened to what he says. And even though I saw a lot of putts go in for him, I'm not sure that anything really changed. And it makes it really hard to predict. I don't know if he figured something out and just wasn't telling us, or if it just kind of happened like it has many times in his career and everything came together and the putts started to fall. Uh, he hasn't found anything on the greens that has stuck for a long period of time. The way Victor Hovland's short game has seemingly stuck. Right. Um, or there are other, like Keegan Bradley's putting adjustment has stuck. Uh, for Colin, it, it hasn't. And so I, I can't say that he's fixed a problem off the heels of that win. So what you're going on with Morikawa is he does have a, he has played well here. It's hard to say it's a good history, regardless of the results, because it was kind of a devastating finish in 2021. Um, but but two really strong finishes here, nonetheless. Uh, his iron play is good enough to win anywhere. Uh, I, I think his short game, what I've seen over the last, um, you know, since July, since he got in contention at the Rocket Mortgage, has been a lot better than it was at the century tournament of champions at the beginning of the year. So there's a lot of reasons to play him. Um, I'm just not uh, completely sold on what's going on on the green. So that would be my one worry. Yeah. That 10 K range, it, it becomes kind of a, a game theory situation because one, you're going to be rostering, basically a third of the field in every single one of your lineups. You're only going to be able to likely get one of these guys unless you want to get absolutely crazy down at the bottom. I still don't even know if you could if you could pull it off. I think there's going to be a lot of support for Victor and Scotty, and I don't know what people are going to do with the Homakawa uh, pairing that we saw at, at Zurich this year. So I, I find the, the bottom half of that to be rather interesting from a strategic standpoint. Let's lump the next four together. This is Matt Fitzpatrick at 9,200. Cam Young at 87, Justin Thomas at 84, Ricky Fowler at 8,000. Where do we start allocating our funds here, Greg? Uh, I'd like to start actually towards the bottom of this. Uh, not at the bottom, but with Justin Thomas. Mm. Guess what? He's playing with Tiger Woods on Thursday. Okay, so we know that that's a friendly pairing, a friendly duo. Mm. I wonder how that came to be. Um Oh, I, 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 guess I, just I have an idea of how that came to be. Tiger said, uh, put me down with JT in the middle of the day. And they said, you got it. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they, may, they didn't even have to confirm. He just said it and it's done. Yep, exactly. So we, here's the thing with Justin Thomas. I said after the Ned Bank that I thought Justin Thomas was back to base camp. 
to really high base camp. I stand by that. Uh, and I look at these last finishes, fifth at the Fortnet, fourth at the Ned Bank, um, even go to the, the T12 at Wyndham when he was trying to get into the playoffs. And there's an improvement. He's kind of taken a step back and started to do some things on his own. He's gone his own on the greens. And it seems like he was able to reset. And what he did at the Ryder Cup was maybe disappointing, but he certainly outplayed his partner, Jordan Spieth. And I think validated his place on the team, albeit an unsuccessful team. Uh, one person wasn't going to be able to carry that team to victory um, during the Ryder Cup. But Justin Thomas's play was not poor by any means. So uh, I, I really believe he's back to base camp. And you look at the talent of a Justin Thomas and you look at the price tag at $8,400. And I don't think you're going to see that for the remainder of the year. So this is a good opportunity to stick them in your lineup. Uh, it makes a whole lot more sense to me than even um, a Matt Fitzpatrick, who's just two players more expensive, but a significant dollar amount more expensive. So I, I think JT is the, the guy to play here. I tend to agree with you. I've said for the majority of 2023 that he kind of goes as far as the putter allows him to. And the putter's, looking better. You know, he gained three and a half strokes at Sedgefield. He gained nearly three and a half in Napa. He gained nearly five at the Ned Bank Golf Challenge. Like that, those are all positive signs. He hasn't gained strokes putting in three straight in like years. And this is such a good, low pressure. Um, no one's going to be like, no one's going to say boo if he finishes 18th. This is like a free crack at going out and winning a golf tournament in which he's gone fifth, fifth, fifth his last three years. I I tend to, I think this is a really good spot for Justin Thomas. Look, Justin Thomas missed the playoffs and got selected onto the Ryder Cup team uh, against over players who had just recently won. And it just speaks to, if nothing else, if we just leave the decision aside, the emotion of the decision aside, just say, okay, this is because of his talent. We know that talent is there. I'm seeing signs that it's the, at least the, the bad, the abyss is gone. And, and Justin Thomas is the kind of guy that can tend any week. And I, I wouldn't expect anything different here. I'm hesitant on Ricky. I'm hesitant on Cameron young, and I'm slightly indifferent to maybe a little bit positive on Matt Fitzpatrick. Do you have any hot feelings in one way or another? Fitzpatrick, I would say I'm slightly to the positive, but I don't like the price. Mm. You know, he's he's, in no, he's the only guy in the 9K range. Uh, a lot cheaper than Colin Morikawa, $500 more expensive than Cam Young, and you know, $800 more expensive than Justin Thomas. It, it doesn't seem like a great spot. I'd be willing to play him if my game theory and and the look at the projected ownership said, "Hey, nobody's playing Matt Fitzpatrick," which might I'd be happen, willing to take a chance. It, it, it might. You're right. He's he's awkwardly priced. His history is also awkward. He's played here twice, twelfth and thirteenth. That's nothing great, nothing horrible. And I think that there's going to be we're going to get down here in a second. There's going to be a lot of guys we want to play. Below this, I think there's a real chance that Matt Fitzpatrick just gets completely boxed out. In his last event, the DP World Tour Championship, he had a terrible time on the greens. Mm -hmm. um, you know, lost six strokes putting. He's one of the more reliable putters on the PGA Tour as a whole. 
so I can rule that out. Uh, the iron play seems to be a little spotty, a little hit or miss. Um, but I think in total, it's really good. He's a great driver of the golf ball. Uh, a, really a great, uh, once he kind of got over his injury, things started to come back off the tee with him. Um, I, I'm willing to play. I'm not starting a lineup with him. If that makes sense. It does. Um, We'll continue this conversation. We've got to get to the value in the sevens. We got to talk about the big cat. Will Zalatoris back in this field. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. This is where things start to get really interesting here. Let's start with the four in the $7,000 range, Greg. Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, Wyndham Clark, Sam Burns. I can make a lot of cases for these guys. I can make a lot of cases against these guys. Um, where do you want to start here? The player I feel most confident about in this range is Wyndham Clark. Okay. Uh, again, there are a lot of questions. Questions with Wyndham Clark, questions with Jordan Spieth, obviously, Tony Finau and Sam Burns. There's questions with all of them. I feel the most confident and I feel like it's a really good fit. For Wyndham Clark. One, I love his short game. Um, what he does tee to green, what he did this year with his irons, probably puts him ahead of Victor Hovland in the most improved player of the year category because it was absolutely incredible. And if you take out the Andalusia Masters, which he just played and lost strokes approaching the green, um, this was a phenomenal year for him with his iron play. And it was a huge improvement. You combine that with what he did with a short game and putting, and you have a you have a major champion. I, I think a player who's elevated his game to completely new heights. I love the price here for Wyndham Clark, uh, and I think you see this this talent, this ability, really shine through this week. It should be a great fit for him. Yeah. So actually, when I ran kind of like the course fit model and all that stuff. Wyndham Clark graded out the best. It's, you know, he's long off the tee. He's a great second shot player. He's a very competent, if not very good around the green. He's got a lot of upside. So the model, the course fit model did love Wyndham Clark uh, this week. And if you look at, you know, the last 36 rounds, Wyndham Clark's the best player of those four that we mentioned, nearly a stroke per round. It's uh, twice as good as Jordan Spieth. Tony Finau's in the negative during that stretch. So there, there is a lot of like, to like about Wyndham Clark. Speaking of Finau, I find him to be the most interesting. Um, you know, it was not a great 2023 after Mexico, which was early in the year. It was in April. And he 
stopped putting well. He wasn't driving it so strong, but we have not seen Tony Finau in three months. And I could argue that that is good, right? Like just go figure this out because this is not you. This is not your 100 round baseline. This is not what we would expect in any sense. And to get three months to go figure it out, I think is actually a good thing. I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, it's a long time off. Yeah. It's a really long time off. But, you know, a couple things. So one, before the win in Mexico, he was number one on the PGA Tour approaching the green. Uh, that really plateaued, kind of fell to the wayside. You mentioned the driver. When you hit it as far as he does or can hit it as far as he does and you're losing strokes off the tee, it's a, it's a little concerning. There's something maybe going on with the golf swing. I, I do think the iron play has come back a little bit, and it seemed now it's so long ago. What what is it now? We don't really know. But the real area of concern is the putting. Horrible. It, it's been horrible, and it was so good. And the thing is, he he found a method that was a little more reliable for him. But it it it's not a method I would ever teach. And the reason for that is it it can lend itself to some inconsistencies. There's a lot of hand activity in that stroke, a lot of chuck with his right hand. The hands are extremely low. Sometimes when you find a method that works, you, you kind of take it a little overboard. Things get a little crazy and you lose sight of some of the fundamentals. So I'm really uh, anxious to see what kind of style Tony Finau brings to the putting green because that has to get better for him to be playable uh, in this case. But again, it's been three months. So if you play Tony Finau, you're going on talent alone. Right. And I, I think he has enough of it that, that he he's just someone that I just reset back to their hundred round form. I look at his history here, seventh, seventh, 10th runner up and say, Big tone, I forgive you for what you've done for the last couple of months, but man, uh, it was a really ugly stat profile heading yeah. down the stretch. Uh, Tony Finau and Wyndham Clark playing together in the third group out. Let's talk Jordan Spieth. I think I've said this last year, and I will just say it again. If Jordan Spieth finished dead last here, I would not be surprised. If Jordan Spieth won this event, I would not be surprised. No clue what we're getting out of him this week. No clue. Last time we saw him was the Ryder Cup. He was not very good at the Ryder Cup. You might say horrible at the Ryder Cup mm -hmm. uh, and and had a chance to really validate Justin Thomas's position on the team and, and did not do that. It, you had to watch those matches to understand what JT did and what Jordan Spieth did not do. It, it was a total snooze fest for him. I have no clue what he's been doing in, in the offseason. Uh, I'm not sure there was a significant area that he had to work on. It, it seemed like this year, Jordan Spieth got himself back to a level where every area of his game was adequate. Uh, it, it started to fall off around the playoffs and somewhat dramatically. So, man, I don't know what to do with Jordan Spieth. It, with this kind of thing, I'm, I'd much rather take a chance on Tony Finau than I would on Jordan Spieth, as much as it pains me to say. Because I'm such a big fan, I I don't see how you, I don't see how you play Jordan right now. At, at least Tony, you kind of had one thing that was going horribly wrong. 
Jordan, Jordan's just all over the place. Sometimes the driver loses him two strokes. Sometimes his second shot loses him four. Sometimes he loses two and a half with the putter. I mean, it, 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 I have no confidence, good, bad, or indifferent, what I'm going to get from him. And Jordan tends to be the kind of player that will improve in time. Like you can see the work starting to pay off and, and then he shows up. You could see the development. You could see the snowball starting to go in the right direction. And we obviously haven't seen that because of um, what he's chosen to do with his schedule. Yeah, no, it's a good point. He usually does start to trend before he pops off and does something, something fun. He'll be playing in the penultimate group with Will Zalatoris, who is in that 6K range. And this is the biggest range. Justin Rose, Keegan Bradley, Sepp Straka. Will Zalatoris, Jason Day, Brian Harmon, Lucas Glover, and Tiger Woods are in this 6K range. We're obviously going to talk about Tiger. We're obviously going to talk about Will Zalatoris. So let's remove them from the conversation for a second, Greg. Who else in this range has caught your attention? Uh, I'll go to my top play again, and it, that would be Keegan Bradley. Uh, you know, he did play this fall in, at the Zozo Championship, came in tied 19th. And put together, if I remember correctly, two really good rounds and two poor rounds uh, over in Japan. But I, I love what Keegan's done with this game this year. I think he comes into this season really motivated. This is an opportunity to play with the guys that, um, you know, didn't vouch for him to be on the team. You know, the guys he's not in the club with. Um, he gets to go and kind of prove them wrong and, and it may not mean anything in the FedEx cup or the PGA tour season. You're not getting any Ryder cup points for it or president's cup points for it. Uh, but I, I still think Keegan Bradley comes in extremely motivated and his game has been well-rounded enough. He, he has solved the problem on the greens. I, I think his iron play will have a chance to kind of shine for him this, this week uh, and, and allow that putting to, do what it did this past year. I think it is fair to question motivation at this event to an extent. No question about Keegan Bradley because Keegan no Bradley question. takes everything too seriously and he will be taking this too seriously. I guarantee it. Absolutely. I'm a little partial to... Um, I think, okay, I mean, Brian Harmon is $6,400, and I I think that that's just too cheap for a guy who's gaining over a stroke per round in his last 36. Glover as well, but I, I think that Glover's putting stats are a little fool's goldy, and I think that he made the most out of four really good weeks, made a career, and now I, I'm not as as super confident in those metrics. Um, and then Justin, Although, Rose, go ahead. I'll say one thing before sure. you get to Rosie. Please. On Glover. I don't know if there's ever been a better mid-price player. Oh, I mean, <laughs> the guy, first off, he went back-to-back, -back, Wyndham FedEx. Uh, yeah, really, really figured it out late, and now he catches the mid-price. It's pretty mid, He's mid-price. I know there's only 20 guys. He's mid-price. So I haven't seen enough to say the put-in stats are fool's gold. I will say this golf course doesn't necessarily challenge to an extremely high level on the greens. And I feel very confident with him off the tee, approaching the greens and around the greens. His short game is so good. Mm. 
and it really has been throughout the putting struggles, but it, it gets lost because of the putting struggles. So I, I think um, Lucas Glover has what it takes for me to play him as the min price player. Do I expect him to win? No, but I, I would not look past that. The disrespect for Brian Harmon and Lucas Glover, they're getting sent out together in the first group, which is just like what a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so funny i mean somebody's got to be i disrespected, know i guess I know, I know but it was so obvious it was going to be those two the only thing i was going to point out about justin rose is he's got um tied for the most rounds at albany and i'm pretty sure he has a residence here right doesn't he have a residence uh in at least in the bahamas i'm not sure if it's at albany yeah well last four years he's gone ninth fifth third fifth and is starting to show the ability to get hot with the second shot. So I just thought that that was a little bit interesting. If you're looking for some value down at the bottom of the board, um, let's, let's do this. Let's talk about Wills Altoris and talk about the big cat. So Wills Altoris, uh, last time we saw him complete an event was the, the match play. Um, so got bounced out of the group stage and he only played seven events in 2023. It was essentially a whole year of a wash for him. He got surgery and now we're seeing him for the first time. Uh, any, remote idea of how to deploy Wills Altoris this week, or should we not? I would not. Um, You know, you got Sepp Straka right above him who we didn't talk about, but Sepp Straka's chances of winning an event like this are a lot higher to, to me. Uh, You go right below him and you have a Brian Harmon at 6,400 Lucas Glover at 6,000 who we just talked about. I think those are much better options, three better options than Wills Alatoris. And, and the reason is you're talking about a back surgery. Uh, You're talking about someone whose strength is ball striking. And, uh, and he has spoken about this. The back injuries come from the mechanics of that golf swing. Mm -hmm. So what has he done to solve that has it been just simply physically getting stronger has there have to has there been an alteration to the motion uh, that he brings into the golf ball and regardless of what the answer to that is we still don't know how it's going to work because he came back to the century tournament of champions last year and had said his golf swing needed to be reworked he he worked on some things and it worked great but now it happens again. So did those changes really stick? Um, was he really able to make them or, or was he constantly fighting them? And that led to the other back injury. So because this is in a, let's just say an attack on his strength uh, and, and may have led him to question and rework the golf swing again, his strength, that gives me um, too much worry to play him this week. Uh, well, if you like worry and question marks, I've got another guy for you. He is the tournament host. He's the greatest player to ever walk the face of the earth. His name is Tiger Woods. We haven't seen him since the Masters, though we've got grainy videos of him walking, carrying Charlie's bag without a limp and all this fun stuff, Greg. Uh, this event, he has dominated, but a, what version, if any, of Tiger? Like, what do we... Is is a T15 a good result? T10? What's, what is the expectation going up against essentially 19 or, you know, roll out Wills Alatorres, 18 of the best, hottest players in the world? Yeah, I mean, if he finishes T15, 
shoots under par. Uh, it's out in one piece. Gets out of one piece. Does he look the same on Sunday like he does on Thursday? You know, these are the these are the questions that I'm looking for. The finish position is almost irrelevant to me this week, unless it's a WD. Then it becomes a big time piece. Um, but the finish position is almost irrelevant. I'm really looking to see what happens with his health. Uh, and for that reason, I will certainly not be playing him or deploying him uh, in any DFS lineup. He probably should be, even though he's the greatest player in the history of the game, he probably should be mid-price on DraftKings. Uh, the disrespect to Lucas Glover is astonishing. But yeah. I get it, because Tiger's won 82 times on well, tour. Well, Tiger's $100 more expensive than the minimum, which right. is just a nod to history. It is not. Yes. That's like, well, well, we can't make Tiger $6,000. We can't make him <laughs> in the mid. That's all that is. Right. So uh, that gives me a little chuckle. But yeah, he's, he's not worth playing to me. But uh, I think you mentioned earlier, Victor Hovland and... um um. Oh, geez. Who's Victor Hovland playing with? Um, He's playing with Homa. Homa in the last group. Yeah. Hovland and Homa in the last group. That's not the marquee group this week. The, the marquee group is Tiger Woods and whoever he plays with. It'll be Justin Thomas on Thursday. I, I, I look at this profile and I understand this is through a lot of injury. It is over the course of multiple years. He... When he has played on the PGA Tour, Tiger has consistently lost with the putter. He has consistently lost around the greens. He has shown some glimpses of very good second shot play, but usually only for a round at a time, and he's usually a loser there, and he has not driven it as well. The game is as deep, as talented as it's ever been. You are taking uh, nearly two dozen of the best players who had the best years and putting them on a golf course that, I mean, th this is just, I hate to say tiger is outmatched, but I mean, my God, I mean, what are we, he's, uh, this is, these guys are going to, and they should eat him alive. Yeah. He's, he's outmatched at least for this week. I wouldn't say he's done. No. Um, we got a lot more to see before we make any declarations like that. Um, but I would say this, he's closer to being done than he is winning this week. You know, or contending this week or making it into my lineup this week. Yeah. And it's, it's a good, like, listen, it's probably going to be hot and he gets to like a later tea time and he's not going to have any, you know, warming up the back issues and it's a very flat walk. I love all of that. Also goes for everybody else. I hope Tiger wins. No, I, I hope he puts up a good fight. I, I'm going to watch every second of it. But to, to put any of my hard earned American dollars on Tiger Woods feels, feels difficult to do. Not this is not the time for it. You could see I, I'm not a big risk taker when it comes to the injuries. I, I just don't I don't think there's a need in a field like this. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a need to go out on a limb and say, oh, Will Zalatoris is gonna catch uh you know magic in a bottle, lightning in a bottle this week, the first week back. There's no evidence to show that or support that. And so I'm not a fan. There's no evidence to say that tiger is going to contend this week. We're, we're wondering how he's walking, <laughs> you know, like, right. This is not about the performance for him this week. It's, it's just the first step on what's hopefully a long journey back up to the top of the mountain. 
Um, but yeah, I'm not betting on the first step. Yeah. I'll bet on the second step. Not uh, yeah. I mean, I could be easily swayed. <laughs> I need to see like a half a good shot this week and I'm, I'm back in. Uh, all right, Greg, anything, anything else that we might've missed for hero week? We are going to get a tiger woods pressure Tuesday morning. And then the mega preview pod will happen after that presser. Is I, I'm basically. excited to hear tiger and a presser. This is one he's typically, um, pretty open in mm-hmm. and he's been a lot more open in the past. So I, I absolutely look forward to that press conference. I, I hope it, um, stays about him and his game uh, and doesn't get into some of these other stories that are uh, circling through the game right now. For instance, John Rahm or, you know, the, the golf ball rollback, uh, anything like that. I, I hope it stays to tiger in his game. And in that case, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. He will be asked about all of that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Well, he's going live at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday morning. We'll see uh, what he has to say for now. Big thanks. Producer Josh does all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme available on Twitter at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. 